When in Rome, do as the Romans do. Uh, now, that's a pretty appropriate saying for when you're studying the book of Romans. Um, unless you consciously rebel, it's only natural, and sometimes it's right, for us to change aspects about ourselves, change the way we behave, change our presentation, depending on our location. When I was in my field year during Bible college, I had a 12-month placement in a church in the suburbs of Brisbane. And part of the way through that placement, the permanent, the permanent minister got together with me, um, as he did, to um, you know, give a bit of importance and say, now look, these things you need to change and these things are good that you're doing, these things are bad and we'll turn you into a minister yet. And, and he said to me, now listen, Michael, while you're here, we're going to have to change a few things about you. Um, firstly, you really have to dress a bit better. Now, I, f- I know that you find that hard to believe, but apparently my dress sense didn't come up to scratch. And he said to me, look, you, you preach in shorts and-, and sand shoes. I mean, now that might be all right out in the bush, but that's not okay here. I mean, in this sur- suburb, this suburb is full of professional people and, and we get dressed up to go, to- they get dressed up to go to work and we expect that when you're up the front leading worship or preaching that you'll at least have some long trousers on and probably even a tie. And he said, and also that plastic water bottle you keep taking up to the front to drink out of that plastic water bottle, it's really off-putting. And I think it's just not right to to drink out of a plastic water bottle in this location. I think you need to start taking a glass, take a glass of water up the front with you. Now, I, I didn't think it really mattered that much, but apparently did. Things change depending on your location. So it's fine for you to wear your jammies at home. It's not fine for you, for you to wear them in the workplace. It's, it's normal to walk down the streets of the Gold Coast in your togs and thongs. Um, and if there's any overseas listeners in Australia, thongs are things we put on our feet. Um, but it's not normal to wear your thongs in an RSL club. You'll get kicked out. Um, it's acceptable to have a rifle on the front seat of the ute when you're on the farm, but it's not acceptable for it to be there when you're in town. When we went to the US, we had to drive on the right side of the road because we were in the US, and we did that most of the time. Uh, when we came back to Australia, well, we had to drive on the left side of the road because we were in Australia. And so things change a little bit depending on where you are. Um, freedoms change as well. When we went through immigration on that trip, we were not allowed to take photographs because we were in immigration. When we went to Tonga on a Sunday, we were not in Sunday, on Sundays you're not allowed to do anything. It is a complete day of rest and you will be fined if you are caught swimming on the beach in Tonga, on a Sunday, because you are in Tonga. But if you just go next door to the tourist resort, even though you're in Tonga, you are allowed to swim on a Sunday because you are in a tourist resort and they're exempt from that law. Um, If you are in debt, you can't just do whatever you like with your money because you are in debt. When you're in the swimming pool... You're not allowed to wee because you're in the pool. But when you're in the river, you are allowed to wee because you're in the river. And nobody's going to know anyway. In our river, it's that brown, isn't it? 
You can do all sorts of things in our river. Today I want to talk to you about what it means to be in Christ. What it means for our freedoms, what it means for our responsibilities, what it means when it comes to condemnation and just what it means for us generally. Paul often used that phrase, in Christ. And it's a very important thing for us to comprehend. He locates us not just near Christ, not just with Christ. We're not just aligned with Christ or allied with Christ. We're not even just connected with Christ. He locates us in Christ. We once used to be in the world, but we're not in the world anymore. We are now in Christ. And in the letter to the Romans, 13 times Paul uses that designation, in Christ. And he's referring to Christians. As Christians, we are in Christ. You thought you were in Australia. You're in Christ. You might think you're in St George right now, but you're in Christ. You might even think, well, I'm in church at the moment, but you are in Christ. And it's a pretty good place to be in Christ. Now, in Australia, we've just filled out the census. And did you all do that on Tuesday night, was it? Yes, everybody's done their civic duty, filled out the census? Hope so, if you haven't. Mrs. Phelps, you have done it. Oh, you were looking a little guilty there. No, I thought you were condemned there for a moment. Was it $180 a day or something? Is that what the fine is? Yeah. Pretty high. Anyway, um, it's very important to the statisticians for them to be able to identify our locality because over the next few years, they're going to be crunching the data and crunching the numbers and, and they want to be able to tell us all sorts of information depending on our location. So depending on our location, they want to be able to tell us things like our life expectancy, uh, our likely education outcomes of our children, our likely income, the expectation of us developing some nasty chronic disease. All of these are outcomes which vary depending on our location. Now today, though, we're going to discover that it doesn't matter so much where we're physically located, there is something which transcends this. There is something which is bigger than our physical location. There is something which impacts more on our behaviour. It impacts more on our freedoms. It impacts more on our whole life and destiny than any physical location ever could, and that is to be located in Christ. So let me set the scene. We're now into the central part of Paul's letter to the Romans. Up until now, Paul has been spelling out the human predicament. And he brings us to the conclusion that all men are sinners. And the ladies probably go, yeah, well, we've known that for a long time. Um, But yeah, that includes you too, ladies. Um, It's got nothing to do with gender and everything to do with our humanity. All have sinned. And our sin, our rebellion against God, means that we deserve to be punished. In our discipleship classes on Wednesday nights, we've been doing Christianity Explored. And this week, Rico Tice gave us a really good illustration. On the top of the law court building in in London, the Old Bailey, 
is a statue of Lady Justice. And in one hand, she holds a set of balancing scales signifying the weighing up of a person uh, to judge their innocence or their guilt. And in the other hand, she holds a sword to signify that the guilty will be punished and justice demands punishment. But then he pans across to the other side of the river, to the top of a cathedral and to a cross. And then he explains that on judgment day, we will be weighed to determine our innocence or guilt. And so far in Romans, we've been learning about how the judgment is a foregone conclusion. (laughs) We're in a pretty bad spot without Jesus. Um, The only just judgment that could be made is guilty. But the cross is the place where Jesus has already borne our punishment. So we should be condemned. But instead, Jesus took that punishment for us. And we needed that. Even when we try to be good, we we can't be good enough. We are held as slaves to sin. But in Christ, we died to sin and we became alive to God. And so sin no longer has any dominion over us. Okay, so that's pretty much the, in a nutshell, what the last seven chapters of Romans has been telling us. But even so, last time I preached in chapter 7, we heard Paul expressing the struggle that we all have and we all continue to have, that we try to do good but we just can't achieve it. The things that I don't want to do are the things that I end up doing. And the things that I do want to do, I find I don't do them. And so I agree that God's law is good Because I want to keep God's law, I want to do the right thing, but I just can't achieve it. And he cries out in his pain and his frustration, what a wretched man I am. It's like he's saying, what hope is there for me? Jesus has died for me and yet I keep doing the wrong thing and the good things that I want to do, I just don't do. What hope is there for me? And we've all been there, hey? You want to be better than you are, just as much as I want to be better than I am. Less angry, less selfish, more loving, more kind, more merciful, more righteous, less vindictive, more truthful, more generous, more godly. And we know this is how God wants us to be. But we fail. And at the end of chapter 7, Paul is expressing all of this frustration. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then it's like he just, like the sun just bursts through the clouds and, and he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who will deliver me? Well, there's my deliverer, Jesus Christ, my Lord. And he says, so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. Right? So he's saying that he, he loves God's law. He, he knows that it's right and he's trying to be obedient. He says, but with my flesh, I keep serving the law of sin. He can't achieve it. What then is he left to do? Is he just left feeling guilty? 
Are we just left feeling guilty? Because we want to do the right thing. We want to obey God. We want to love him with our whole hearts, but we're not. Are we just left feeling guilty? That's where we're up to. And in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not very good at memorising Bible verses. I'm actually pretty bad at it. But if there's one Bible verse that we should learn, it's this one. Will you say it with me? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Say it again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we are in Christ, we will not be condemned. How can we keep feeling guilty? How can we keep feeling guilty? Say it again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember it. Commit it to your mind. Commit it to your heart. Remember it. We can't keep all of the law. We can't achieve it. And there once was a time when when we were condemned. Because of our inability to keep all of the religious law, our inability to even keep ten commandments, we were condemned. But not now. Because now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Woohoo! That's pretty good. Anybody want to hear some good news today? Well, there's some good news. If you're not happy with that, I don't think you'll ever be satisfied. To be located in Christ means to receive an immense freedom. Now, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to be in Christ? Who wouldn't want to be in Christ? Actually, most of the world. Most of the world. Don't want to be in Christ. You see, to be in Christ comes with freedom, sure enough. But it's a location that also requires repentance, responsibility, sacrifice and change. What does it mean to be in Christ? If there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, well, who is in Christ? What does it take for me to be in Christ? And and what are my responsibilities because I am in Christ? What is the sign that I am in Christ? To be in Christ means to walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And this is where a lot of people balk, because Paul paints this picture for us. He says, those who live according to the flesh... Set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. Right? So he's drawing this picture of two different paths we can take to either walk by the flesh or to walk by the spirit. And in verse seven, he says, for the mind 
that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Right? To be in Christ involves a renewal of our mind. And we're going to be learning more about that when we get to chapter 12, but we're not there yet. We're still in chapter 8. But because we're in Christ, there is a shift that must take place and it begins in our minds. We set our minds on things of the spirit instead of on things of the flesh. And this involves a submission to God's law. Even when we come to faith in Jesus, there's going to be this battle that takes place. It would be really nice if I could promise you today, look, when you give your heart to Jesus, all of a sudden that struggle with sin is going to stop. You know, it's, everything's going to be lovely and wonderful and you're just going to be naturally good and righteous and, and you're not going to have to try anymore. And if I told you that, I would be lying through my teeth. Because when you become a Christian, the struggle, I believe... This is what I've experienced. It actually gets harder. It actually gets tougher. Because there is a real battle which is going on, a battle between the flesh and the spirit. Now, who's going to win, the flesh or the spirit? They're opposed to each other. Who's going to win? Well, it depends on what we set our minds on. Some people will take that one verse, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and say, right, well, I believe in Jesus, so it doesn't really matter what I'm going to do. Um, I won't be condemned. Um, there is no condemnation. I'm right. I'm good to go because I believe that Jesus died for me. And they continue to walk in the way of the flesh, not realising that having set their minds on the flesh is a sign that they're not in Christ. And in the extreme, I've actually heard somebody describe another person as a carnal Christian. And so they were describing him as somebody, well, he believes in Jesus and so he's saved, but he lives according to the flesh and definitely not according to the spirit. Now, let me say, biblically, there is no such thing as a carnal Christian. Verse 7 says, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Now, if my mind set on the flesh, if my mind is set against the spirit, it must mean I'm not in Christ. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. There is nothing Christian about a so-called carnal Christian. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. Let me divert for a moment. What is the sign of being a Christian? What's the sign? The Jews thought that to be a Jew was to be circumcised. So if you got circumcised, then then I'm a Jew. But God made it very clear through his prophets. He would say to them, no, it's not an outward physical sign. He'd say to them, circumcise your hearts. But he was interested in the heart. What's going on in the heart? You don't just make a show of being a Jew. A real Jew is one in the heart. That's how you show that you're one of my people. 
And likewise, the sign of being a Christian, some people will say, well, baptism is the sign. If you've been baptised, then you're a Christian and that's good to go. Others will say, well, if you can just confess that that uh, Jesus died for you and accept that and... Um, that's the outward sign. That you're, that's the sign that you are a Christian. But it's not. The sign of being a Christian is what's going on in our heart. It is to be filled with Christ. It is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We sort of go inside out because to be in Christ means that Christ is in us. We are in him, he is in us. That's the sign. And that's where this living by the Spirit comes from. Christ is in us. And so we love him. We give our hearts to him. We give our lives to him. He's our Lord. Verse 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, there's something very practical about this. Um Let's put some legs on it. Nullin stuff is all very good and nice. So we, we know that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We know that we are in Christ Jesus if Christ Jesus is in us. But how do, how do we live this out practically? And that's what this, these few verses are all about. Well, firstly, it begins with relationship, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this today because I'm going to devote the whole message to that next week, that God is our Father and he adopts us as his children. Right? It begins with our relationship with God. We cannot walk according to the Spirit if we have no relationship with God. And um, normally I would want to talk about this now, but it actually comes after this in the... In the reading, and so we're going to be talking about this next week. But it's very important. Secondly, we then focus on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We owe Jesus. Now, it says that we have a debt to Him. Here's our Lord, here's our Master. Now, He gave us the gift of salvation, and we should never presume that that's a debt that we can pay back. That, that, don't hear me saying that. We could never pay Jesus back for what he did for us. It was a total gift of grace that he gave us. We could never earn our own salvation. We could never pay him back for what he's done for us. But as his grateful children, we bow our knee before Christ in submission to him. He becomes our Lord. He becomes our master. He becomes our everything. And thirdly, because Jesus is Lord, we obey him. Jesus said in Matthew, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So how do we love him with our minds? We set our mind on things of the spirit. 
instead of things of the flesh. And what we do will follow. The day I wrote this message, um, I had a craving of the flesh. Um, Sometimes when I'm writing a a sermon, I, I sort of get to the stage where I just come to a stop. I just don't know where God wants me to take the message at the next stage. Yeah, where, where do you want me to take it from here? I know where we're going to end up, but how do we get there, Lord? And and sometimes I get to that stage and I just start thinking and and it just doesn't come to me. And normally at about that stage, I think, well, this is a good time for me to get a bike ride in. So I leave what I'm doing, I hop on the bike and, and I go for a bike ride for an hour or a bit, a bit more. And And while I'm on the bike is when I think and pray and usually by the time I get back home again, I'm not only exhausted, but I also know where the sermon's going to go. But on the day that I was riding at this time, it was raining and I wasn't going to go out and ride in the rain. And so I just stayed there and just kept trying to do it. And then my mind began to wander and my mind wandered to where it should not go. And so I actually had to stop what I was doing. And I prayed, Lord, this craving that I I have is, is of the flesh. Please set my mind on things of the spirit. And I actually had to redeploy myself to something, to somewhere where I actually wasn't stuck and, and start up and do a different task for a while. One where my mind wouldn't wander to where it shouldn't be. To walk in the way of the Spirit, I actually had to set my mind in a different direction. Had to set my mind, take it off of things of the flesh and put it onto things of the Spirit. And you'll find that in your temptations as well. You might be a bit materialistic. And you might have a craving to spend money on something that you don't really need. And with online shopping these days, it's very easy to feed that habit. And we set our mind on things of the flesh by browsing online. We sort of go to one of our favourite online shops where we might look at things. And um, So for me, it might be I might go to the Forbes, uh, uh, not Forbes, um, what's it called? Um, Hair and Forbes, Hair and Forbes website and, and look at some of their tools and think, oh, I'd like one of those. And, um, you know, with just a few deft keystrokes, we've... But, ta-da, we've just ordered something we didn't really need. Now, what if next time you have a craving like that, instead of going to your favourite shopping website, what if you actually stop yourself and go, actually, I might go and have a look at the Compassion website and donate some money to those who are poor or go and have a look at one of the missionary organisations or go to Open Doors and and um, read about the persecuted church and how the pers- read some of the stories of persecuted Christians and, and how the church is growing in the midst of persecution and, and how some of these people, they don't even have Bibles. Why don't you go there and buy them a Bible or something like that? Take your mind off of things of the flesh and turn your mind towards things of the spirit. One time a lady approached a minister and she said, Does God require me to give up smoking? And the minister said, well, that depends. For you, is it a craving of the flesh or a craving of the spirit? 
and she thanked him and walked away. She had her answer. And there's so many things like that for us. Maybe we could spend a few minutes praying instead of watching the telly. Maybe we could do a Bible study instead of reading a magazine. What about when a person at work frustrates you and and you begin to feel bitter and twisted? Why don't you stop right at that point? Find a private spot and pray for that person. And pray for their welfare. Set your mind on things of the Spirit. And you'll find that it won't be long and you'll begin to walk by the Spirit. Verse 4 tells us, that when we walk according to the Spirit, the righteous requirement of the law is being fulfilled in us. To be in Christ is freedom. It sets us free from from the guilt that we might feel because there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To be in Christ is freedom, but it is a freedom that comes with responsibility. Set your mind on things of the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. I think we've gone far enough for today. Um, Next week we're going to be concentrating on our relationship with God. How the God of the universe chose to adopt you. That's pretty special. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the truth of that verse that we learned. For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you that you've set us free from sin and death. And Lord, I want to thank you that this freedom is so powerful that it even... It destroys guilt. Lord, we confess to you there's times that we've... We've known the right thing to do and we've done the wrong thing. We've known the wrong thing to do and we've gone and done that. God forgive us. And Lord, I want to thank you that you have forgiveness and that when you forgive us, you take all that guilt away. Lord, I want to thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to thank you that we can know that your Holy Spirit is inside of us simply because we know the right thing to do. Simply because that that guilt has been there when we've done the wrong thing. We know that your Holy Spirit has been grieved. Lord, I want to thank you that your Holy Spirit is inside of us helping us to know right from wrong, helping us to walk in the way of the Spirit. Lord, this is a sign that we can't fake. I mean, we could be a non-Christian and and just go and get dunked, just go and have a baptism just, just in case. Our hearts wouldn't be there. And we wouldn't know if we were Christians or not. But the fact that your Holy Spirit is in our hearts, what a great assurance that we are your children. 
that you choose to live in us. What a privilege. What a joy. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you that you live in us. Lord, thank you for the location that you've put us. You have put us in Christ. Lord, give us strength for the times when our minds start wandering to things of the flesh. Lord, give us strength, give us resolve, give us your power to divert our minds from things of the flesh to things of the spirit. And help us to walk in your ways. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. Can you remember that verse? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus.